We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. Thanks, everybody, for joining me. Today is a solo effort. I am just going to be answering your fantasy questions. For those of you who are joining us live on YouTube right now, uh, we really appreciate that. And also, feel free to drop your questions. I've got a bunch, but I will do my very best to get to everybody. Um, I, I'm going to just answer these in order. It's going to be very prospect heavy. In fact, I think every question I have so far is prospect related, which is fun. As some of you know, I've covered prospects for a very long time, and I'm always happy to talk about those young players in the minors who have a chance to help you in the coming years. All of these are in order, but one, and I'm going to skip to that very first one. Thoughts on the Scherzer trade. Could Luis and Hel Icuna play this year? So, for those of you who were uh, watched our show yesterday, you saw that Drew and I, uh, at the very end, we just had a little bit of fun, and we predicted who the biggest name would be dealt, and I said Max Scherzer. And uh, Max Scherzer trade happened about 20 minutes after we stopped recording, which was pretty darn funny. I think it's really interesting for both teams, and I think it's a win for both teams as well. I will point out, the original report had... Walcott and Brock Porter heading to New York in the deal. I didn't love that for Texas. A lot of upside leaving the organization in that deal. All due respect to Luis Angel Acuna, who we'll talk about in just one second. Really good player. Uh, has a chance to hit for average, steal bases, can be a solid center fielder. I think he could be a strong shortstop, a really good second baseman as well, just based on his athletic profile. You know, your question mark is the power. Is he going to tap into it? He shows some raw power for sure. Maybe 55 on the 2080 scouting scale. So above average, not quite plus. You know, right now it's closer to 50 in terms of actual projection. Certainly can play. But if he taps into that power, you're talking about a five-tool player. No, he's not his brother. Very few people are his brother. I think only one person is his brother and it's him. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is just one of the most talented players I've ever seen in my life. But there's you don't have to be Ronald Acuna Jr. to be really good at baseball. I think he has a chance to be a strong fantasy option. As for playing this year, I don't think so. I would guess 2024. It's kind of interesting. He and Ronnie Mauricio have opposite yet similar profiles. Because with Mauricio, you're talking it's more about that pop than that average. But good defenders at shortstop who probably aren't going to play shortstop because they've got long-term options ahead of them. 
Yeah, this is an interesting one. I don't think I would call on him to be a prospect uh, or that I'm rostering for 2024, but I don't think it's completely out of the question. And certainly somebody who I think fantasy stock goes up. It's not because the Mets are better at player development than the Rangers or anything like that. It's just it seems like there's a more um, a more obvious path to playing time. And, and we as fantasy managers really enjoy that. Uh, speaking of the Rangers, the first question I got was, is Blaine Krim worth roster consideration in deeper dynasty leagues? No, I don't think so. Look, there are guys like Blaine Krim that you can find all over the place. And he's had a nice look. It was somebody I really enjoyed watching when he was at Mississippi State. And he's more than held his own in AAA this year, uh, hitting 272 with like a 388 on base percentage, shows plus power. It's just so limited uh, athletically that he's stuck at first base. And you can find guys like this. It, it's not somebody that I would really. Like, sure, if he gets the call, you consider adding him because that power is going to be interesting. But everything has to work out for Blaine Cribb in order for him to be a major league player. Didn't mean to shake my camera, by the way, while I was doing that. Everything has to work out for Blaine Cribb. Everything has to max out. Otherwise, you're talking about just a 26th man or a bench batter, an up-and-down guy. And that we're not too interested in those in fantasy. But I did want to bring up a name that I think is unheralded. Uh, Thomas Segesi is an infielder that's currently in double A and has been really good. He's hit 314, 385, 14, 15 homers, eight stolen bases in 92 games. Just was, wanted to bring him up because I watched him have a three hit game while watching some highlights with some stuff. Like, there's no standout tool with Segesi, but everything projects to be at least average. And at least average when you're playing in the infield is pretty good. It gives you a really good chance to be a, a major league option, maybe even a starter. Uh, not a guy that is getting a lot of hair, uh, hype right now. I think, you know, if you look at most lists, um, which people send me all the time, you're talking about somebody who's like in that 15 to 20 range. I think he's better than that. I think he has a chance to be a starter. I think if you're playing in a deeper dynasty league, I wouldn't be rostering him, but I would be rostering Segesi if you do get the chance. Um, free advice. Uh, let's see. Next question here. Uh, this is one I get asked an awful lot. Victor Scott has stolen 67 bases, but no one is talking about him. Why? I mean, I think some people are talking about him. Uh, he is a guy who was a 2022 fifth round pick just last year, who was already in double A, who was playing in the futures game. And oh, by the way, that's 67 stolen bases, even in this day and age where everyone is running amok, is still really impressive. So the reason why he's not getting a lot of hype on prospect lists, my guess, is we know he can run and we know he can field. I'm not 100% sure everybody knows what he is offensively. There's not a ton of power. Now, slugging percentage could be solid because he's going to turn a lot of singles into doubles, doubles into triples, etc. I think he's got a pretty strong, or I know he has a fairly strong approach at the plate. I don't think he makes a ton of hard contact or enough hard contact, I think, to suggest a plus hit tool. I think you're talking about average. And again, we're, we're talking about 50 hit, 40 pop. You're probably talking about a two-category player, maybe a three. Certainly worth a roster spot in Dynasty Leagues because that type of speed is just special. You know, the, the type of guy who can win stolen base categories for you if he's a regular player but there's a very good chance he's just a fourth outfielder 
So there is some risk there. If you could sell high on Victor Scott in a dynasty league, I would consider it. Like for those of you who are have a deadline coming up, he's a guy who makes sense to throw in to go get a special piece because there are going to be Victor Scotts that you can find as well. That not maybe to that extreme of speed. You know, the only guy who has more stolen bases this year than him is Chandler Simpson in the minors. But, you know, you're going to find players of that ilk and maybe players who have a better chance to hit for average and power. Not saying that you have to move on from him or anything like that, but I do think that there is a reason why Victor Scott, and a good reason why he's not being considered a top prospect. Uh, Another question I get asked an awful lot is about Tyler Black, and justifiably so. Does Tyler Black have a chance to play this year? And I assume that we're talking about playing the majors this year. Yeah, I think so. I I was no on this for a while. I will say, promote real quick my Imminent Arrivals article, which comes out every Wednesday, which gives you the top 10 prospects who have a chance to help you in 2023 in redraft leagues who still have prospect eligibility. And Black certainly has that. And he's been really good this year. He's in double A. He's hitting like 296 with over 40 stolen bases. I should have the stats in front of me, but unfortunately I've got about a billion windows open because of the questions that I've gotten. I um, think he's more of a 2024 play. But when you take a look at that Milwaukee infield and what's going on with them right now, it wouldn't shock me if they made him get, had him make the leap. Wouldn't shock me at all. He's a solid defender at second base, really strong approach, hit for average. Power's not great, but I do think he can run into enough homers that he can be helpful in that category as well. I wouldn't be rostering him right now, but if the Brewers do make that call, not only would he be somebody that I'd add, he's someone I'd be willing to spend some fab dollars on because especially this late in the season, there's not a ton of guys with that upside. Uh, He's been a guy I talked to scouts about a lot who have said that his stock is rising as much as any prospect in their system, if not more, and in a lot of systems as well. Tyler Black, absolutely somebody who needs to be on your radar for the long term, for sure. And also, it wouldn't shock me at all if he helped you in 2023. If you're in like an NL-only league, maybe take a look. I've seen you talk about Cade Marlowe on your show and on social media. Is he a long-term play or someone worth consideration right now in an OBP league? I'm glad you added the caveat of the OBP league. Uh, first of all, thank you. Uh, for those that said somebody brought it up, I do a show called My OI. Uh, I recap every single Seattle Mariner game on YouTube, and it's been an awful lot of fun, but we're here to talk about Rotowire. But I, I do appreciate the nice words. Um, I'm not sure if he's really a long-term play, to be honest with you. I think he's someone I like more now than long-term because I don't know if he's a starting outfielder long-term. I think he's more of that fourth outfielder type. However, I've been extremely impressed with what Marlowe has done. He wasn't great in the minors. A 792 OPS in the PCL is far from spectacular. But he's really impressed me with his at-bats since getting the call-up. Like, his approach has been really impressive. His ability to foul off tough pitches to work into counts. And he showed a little more pop. He Last night, he hit a opposite field triple off a left-handed pitcher while hitting left-handed. That's not easy to do. I think that that's certainly something that fantasy managers should be cognizant of. Uh, has stolen bases at a strong rate. He hasn't really run yet, but I think the Mariners will give him that chance to start running, partially because he's been uh, hitting extra base hits, and it's tougher to steal third base than 
it is to steal second. The Mariners very rarely actually attempt that stolen base for third, with some exceptions. There's that Julio guy who's pretty darn good at everything he does. Yeah, I think he'd be in an on-base percentage league if you're desperate for outfield help, somebody I would look at. He's probably going to be out of the lineup against left-handed starters, but the fact that he's shown he can handle them the last couple of nights is certainly something to keep an eye on. Dylan Moore probably getting those starts in left field. But yeah, if you're playing in an on-base percentage league and you can take the hit for knowing that he's not going to be in the lineup six of seven games, probably more five of seven, maybe and sometimes four of seven, sure. Why not? I would absolutely give him a look. The worst thing is, is that you drop Cade Marlowe and find something better. Uh, last question before our commercial break. And uh, this is a fun one. Would you consider Jackson Holiday after Mike Elias wouldn't rule him out for a 2023 promotion? So I think everybody here knows Jackson Holiday, the first overall pick of last year's draft, the son of Matt Holiday. Yes, we are all getting incredibly old. You don't need the gray in my beard to know that this is just <laughs> something that's happening, folks. The, the more young players we see getting drafted, it just of and that are sons of players that we didn't see play all that long ago in our minds anyway it's just making me feel incredibly incredibly old really good player a chance to hit for average power steal bases stick at shortstop a five tool player even despite the fact that he has a face that suggests he's 14 years old i thought those comments were interesting that he couldn't completely rule him out and look it makes sense he's already in double a that's which is insane for a player who was drafted as a high school player last year to already be in double a and to be even talking about him having a chance to make his major league debut this year is insane. You it's almost unheard of as for rostering him. I'm still pretty skeptical that he would actually play for the Baltimore Orioles this year, but if you're in a deep enough league, why not? Because how many players have that kind of upside? Like, how many players have the actual chance to give you five tools that are on the waiver wire? Not very many. Now, the concern, of course, would be how often is he going to play? What would his role be? All of that stuff. So I'm not going nuts. If, let's say, knock it on all the wood in the world, there's an injury to one of the Baltimore players that starts at the infield and they call up Jackson Holiday. that's obviously more interesting than a September call-up, right? Because you're actually calling him up to play. It doesn't make sense to call him up unless he's going to uh, be playing for you. Unless you're talking about September when the minor league season is coming to a close and you can give him that look. But if he's just going to be like a bench guy, that's not as interesting to me. If you're talking about him being an actual starting player, there's no amount of fab that I think he'd be too much, especially this late in the year. What are you saving it for? You're saving it for a guy like Jackson Holiday. Long story short, I'm probably not rostering him in anything but AL only leagues, but the very fact a general manager or executive vice president or whatever the heck you want to call him is saying that this is actually a realistic thing that I cannot rule out Jackson Holiday playing for my baseball team this year. It's something because I think a lot of people would be like, well, it's a wait and see thing or, well, we really like him, but it's more of a 2024 thing, that type of stuff. That's normally the GM speak that you get with these type of things. That's not what we got this time. It at the very least makes me 
very interested in putting him on my radar. The On the radar to be put on the radar. All right, in the second half of the show, I'm going to be answering a bunch of your questions. And also, we're going to be taking a look at some unheralded prospects, which is it worked out kind of perfectly. I was planning on talking about this, but somebody asked a really good question. But before we do all that, let's take a quick commercial break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy clarity, the calm. Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. We know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never really know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for good ball flight and, of course, 10 indicating the most favorable air. There is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have the highest index, 10, for the whole game, average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for every game, so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game, as well as the wind direction. Now, right now, you can get access to the HRF Premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. All right, let's get to more of your questions. And again, uh, I'll do my best to get to as much as I can. Um, let's take a look at something uh, that I saw on uh, YouTube from the Howard Foundation. Why is CES being dropped by so many already? I know he's not producing like we expected, but aren't we a long way away from dropping CES already? I think it's a mistake too. Like, look, he hasn't been great so far, but it's a very small sample. And I've seen enough flashes to suggest, oh, that power is going to play just fine. Not just in the uh, in the majors, but like just looking at the numbers that he put up in the minors, he was spectacular. 
I would definitely be looking to, if somebody drops him, to add him. It's not a perfect situation by any stretch of the imagination, and there are some flaws with Encarnacion Strand's game. There's no question about it. Uh, not going to provide a lot of stolen bases, and there's palpable swing and miss in his profile as well, but he is absolutely somebody that I would be considering rostering. And speaking of which, uh, another question that I got uh, is about Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, loved your chat yesterday with Drew about rookie hitters. Thank you. I noticed you both didn't mention Ellie De La Cruz. Are you concerned with what you've seen lately? So long-term, zero, beyond zero, like as unconcerned as possible you can be. That talent is special. He is as talented an infield prospect as I've seen in a very long time, and we've seen some pretty darn good ones, folks. Short-term, a little bit. And the reason is because, look, he's a rookie hitter with long levers. I mean, long levers. That guy could be out defending shooting guards right now because of his length. But when you combine that with a not great approach at the plate, there's going to be swing and miss issues. And they've really come out over lately. I believe something like the last 40 games he has like a, or 20 games, he has like a 39% strikeout rate, which is bad. As much hard contact as he can make, you got to put the ball in play in order for it to work. If somebody drops him, I'd certainly be adding him. I still think though, and we talked about this a while ago, if you could trade that guy for something that really helps you this year in a redraft league, absolutely consider it. There are going to be so many volatile options, not just for LA Dela Cruz this year, but next year, the year after that, so on and so forth, because he's a young hitter with who's going to have to figure some stuff out in terms of approach or cut down a swing. And you don't really want him cutting down a swing too much. That's the exciting part about him is the fact that he can hit for power. And he also hasn't been running a lot, and it's harder to run because I believe it's been said a billion times, you just can't steal first base, folks. All the all the confidence in the world that long-term this guy's going to be a special player, but there are some reasons for concern for the remainder of 2023. If you could trade him for a legitimate, above-average fantasy player, I would absolutely do it. Just be prepared to kick yourself a little bit because. His talent competes right now with anyone in baseball. All right, here's the fun one. I'm in a full rebuild mode with a league full of prospect towns. Can you give me some names that are struggling in the minors who you would still target? I love this question because it's usually the opposite. It's it's guys that you're talking about uh, who are playing well that you're just not sure about. I like talking about this because if there's one thing we know, folks, Prospect development is not linear whatsoever. So let's talk about some. A, a couple of obvious ones just off the top. Diego Carte and Jason Dominguez, you take a look at those stats and you wonder why they're considered top prospects. Wouldn't worry about them at all. If people are willing to move on from those players, absolutely go get them. Dominguez, you know, he's going to have to learn to be a little more assertive, but all the talent is still there and he's still such a young player. And you saw what he did in spring training, folks, that he didn't forget how to play baseball. Same thing with Diego Cartea. Diego Cartea is still the best catching, catching prospect in baseball for me. You know, he, he needs to work on being a little more assertive as well. And, and But the results just haven't been there. I still think that he's a top 25 prospect. If you can go get him in your, at your leagues for Dynasty, absolutely do it. All right, some more not talked about names. Uh, Joshua Baez. 
Now, Joshua Bias has not been great by any stretch of the imagination, hitting 224. I will just say that Baez is the perfect developmental by low prospect. That power is legit. He's got 70 on the raw scale, and it's starting to show up a little bit in games. It's not unheard of for guys who have big-time power for it to develop late, especially high school guys. This guy was a second-round pick, of, I believe like 53rd overall. The power's there. It's just a matter of him tapping into it on a more consistent basis. There's plenty of time for him to do that. If you play in like a keep forever type of league, Joshua Baez, absolutely somebody I would target at the deadline this year. Uh, Averson Ortega. Now, Averson Ortega has also struggled this year and has not put up the numbers that we expected after being a really intriguing prospect a couple of years ago. But he does have power. He has the ability to make hard contact. It hasn't shown up enough, but you see a swing that suggests he can be able to do that. He's a solid runner who can help more than hurt in the stolen base category. The other thing is, look, defense matters, folks. Defense matters because it is going to be something that gives you a chance to play at the highest level. You have to be able to play defense, especially up the middle. Like, he's not a future designated hitter. So it... it, if he was a future designated hitter, or if that's what he profiled as, he wouldn't be even worth talking about because he doesn't have that type of offensive profile. But because he's a good shortstop, because he's going to stay at that position, he becomes a lot more interesting to me. I see a guy who can be 50 hit, 55 power, steals 15 to 20 bases, and gets a chance to play every day because of his defense. You know, the numbers this year have been disappointing. I'm not giving up on him. And then finally, You guys are going to roll your eyes, and that's fine. Khalil Watson. It has not worked out whatsoever. It has not worked out at all, and he just recently came back from an injury that cost him three weeks. But the talent's still here, folks, and he's only 20 years old. We're still talking about a second baseman who has a swing that suggests he can hit for a high average, some power as well, certainly can provide value with stolen bases. Am I going out and like giving up top prospects for him? No, but he is someone I'd absolutely target because I think he fits the profile that you guys are talking about. That young player who has struggled, who is probably off the radar. You know, if you can get him as a throw-in in any type of trade, yeah. Or if he's still available in your dynasty leagues, yeah, I'm still buying into it. It's a lot of risk. But with that risk comes a lot of reward. And we have seen plenty of players who stink in their first couple of years who figure things out. It is not unheard of. We have seen just as many, if not more, players who have stunk over the first couple of years and not figured anything out. So there, I'm not, I'm completely calculating in that there is just as much risk as there is reward with him. But you can't ignore the reward. You can't ignore it. I still am targeting a Khalil Watson. He's not somebody I'm dropping in dynasty leagues. I can't give up on you. Uh, Speaking of struggles, Gavin Cross has been awful this year. Are you still high on him from a fantasy perspective or should I sell high? So um, I was never really high on Gavin Cross. I, 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 I get it. I understood why he was a player that, Fantasy managers coveted uh, being a college bat who showed some pop from Virginia Tech and then put up really good numbers in his first professional taste. 
but he's really struggled this year. And and my issue with Cross is I see a lot of average tools, but I don't see that plus one. And, you know, we just talked about with Segesi. The difference here is outfielder versus infielder. If, you, if you're an outfielder and if you're a fantasy-relevant outfielder, you better have a plus tool. I don't see one with Cross. I don't see that upside. I can see him being a starting outfielder someday, but not really a fantasy relevant one. If you can move him high still, I would. Again, I may be the wrong person to ask this question because I've never been a big fan of uh, Gavin Cross in terms of fantasy perspective. I think he's a solid real-life prospect. The fact that he's still probably the best prospect in the Kansas city system is a little bit problematic, but yeah, if you can move something good for him, I absolutely would be looking to uh, uh, do it. <laughs> Long story short, absolutely do it. Uh, I saw some people bring it up. Paul McIntosh. I think Paul McIntosh is a really interesting one. Um, for those of you who are not familiar um pulling up my own little numbers here because it's been a little while. This was a 34th round pick um, from West Virginia. We're talking about some West Virginia players today. That's kind of fun. Um, you know, the average isn't great. 342 uh, on base percentage is nice. Eight homers. I think he's more of a, a real life guy than somebody that I'm looking at from a long-term fantasy perspective. A bunch of people brought him up in the fantasy chat. So just wanted to bring that up uh, real quick. Uh, by the way, uh, Christopher Sanchez is throwing a no-hitter now, says Uncle Ted Talks. That's fun. That's an interesting trade um, to look back at now because I'm a huge Curtis Mead fan and still believe that he has a chance to be um, a really good fantasy player. But this was viewed as a, a laugher a couple of months ago. Not even a couple of months ago. Like, yeah, tw- a couple months ago is fair. Not anymore. Christopher Sanchez is pretty solid. It looks like he's figured some stuff out. Um that's just one of those things too, like where we go, like we, we judge these trades and, and we have, we like to predict winners. And, and in terms of process, that trade actually looked okay. Then Curtis Mead turned into a top 25 prospect while Christopher Sanchez looked like just a reliever. Not, not, not so much anymore. That's an interesting one. I do like Curtis Mead an awful lot. Uh, let's see if I can find any more questions in the chat. Um, let's take a look. Uh, uh, just bringing something up here. Mason Wynn is dope. I wish the Marlins would trade Lazardo and Max Myers for Wynn and Walker. Marlins have their third and shortstop for four years in Miami under control. That's an interesting one. Um, I think that's more of an off-season type of deal. And I don't think they're moving, uh, I don't think they're moving uh Jordan Walker. I, I think that it would take getting an absolute ace in order to move Jordan Walker, even with the defensive flaws. Um but Mason Wynn, I, I'm glad people brought him up. He's been great over these last couple of months. He has been hitting for average and power, and that was the biggest concern with Wynn. Is he going to tap into that power? Yeah, I think he is. I think he and, – and tap into is probably the wrong phrase. He looked like a guy who was 40 to 45. Now we're talking about 50, and that's a big difference because he's a guy who can hit for average. He's certainly a guy who can steal bases, and he can really pick it. Like, I would love to see a Mason win versus Ellie De La Cruz arm strength contest. I think Wynn might even win. This was a guy who was thrown in the high 90s in high school. Um, but, yeah, Mason Wynn is somebody I would be looking to target in fantasy leagues because the Cardinals stink. Sorry, Drew. Sorry, Ryan. I know you guys are big fans. 
but you acknowledge it too. This is not a good baseball team. Why not see what you have and win? Now, it may not come until September, so we can keep that rookie of the year eligibility. But I would absolutely be looking to see if this is an answer for next year because I don't think that the Cardinals want a big long-term rebuild. I think they would prefer to acknowledge that this year was a, uh, a huge mistake that they didn't address pitching enough and then they can address being competitive again in 2024. I don't think that they're going long-term rebuild. But I do think that if they see that Mason Wynn can be their starting shortstop, then Mason Wynn's going to be their starting shortstop. He's a better defender than Paul DeYoung. Uh, I think he has more offensive upside for sure. You know, they do have some other options they can play there, but I do think Mason Wynn is the long-term answer at shortstop. Uh, thanks everybody so much for your questions. Let's answer one more thoughts on Aranda. I get asked about Jonathan Aranda a lot. I think he's a quad a player. I would be a little more interested if he changed organizations in Aranda, just because of the fact that Tampa Bay has so many quality infield guys. I think he fits better in another organization where he gets a chance to play every day, but even still, I think we're talking about just a bunch of average tools um, similar to Thomas Tegese, to be honest with you. I know he's really hitting AAA, and he certainly deserves another look. But talent-wise, I just don't see him as a really great fantasy prospect. Oh, this was really fun. Thank you, everybody, for your questions. Uh, next week, we'll have some more normal shows. Really excited for the deadline. I'm hoping we see a bunch of big moves. I'm really hoping my Seattle Mariners make a big move, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, this has been fun. and. Please hit like, please hit subscribe, all of that good stuff. Follow me on Twitter at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Make sure you're following all of our socials so you know when the latest episode is happening. And the latest episode is happening not very long from now because we have new episodes every single day of the week. Thanks again, guys, and we'll see you next time.